0: TheWalnusCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Exception with your host, Rachel Favilla.
1: Hello lovely ones and welcome to The Healthy Exception, the podcast for teenagers choosing to be the healthy exception to the unhealthy rule. I'm your host, Rachel Favilla, and thank you so much for trusting me with your time and your ears today and for tuning in. And today on the show, I've got my mate Jules Galloway, naturopath from Byron Bay, back again. Um, Jules, you're actually the only guest to have come back twice apart from my mum. So... What an honour that must be. Um, I love it.
0: Maybe I'm a sucker for punishment. No.
1: No, no. Um, yeah, because, well, we had so much fun on the last episode at the, towards the end of last year where we talked a lot about food philosophies and I thought I'd love to have Jules back today to talk about because um, she's a naturopath to talk about like what it exactly it is naturopaths do, what sort of things they can treat because I know that in the media, especially at the moment there seems to be a massive push pushback against um, holistic practitioners, natural therapies, nutritional, and naturopathic medicine, um, a lot of Um, you know, specialists in hospitals or even your GP might be quite against naturopaths. They might, you know, you might sort of think, oh, I'll go to one and you bring it up with them and they go, oh, no, don't do that. They'll, you know, they'll mess you up. Don't. And um, it really, it really hurts me as someone who's going into this sort of um, field of work because I know that there's been a few, I'm sure, like there's always practitioners and practitioners and some that you know practice a bit more ethically than others but on the whole i think that the you know natural medicine has so much to offer the world um and to complement More modern medicine, and I think it would be such a shame to not get the truth out there about what exactly it is, what it is not, um, so that you can make an informed decision. And if you need to go see a naturopath, um, that you have all the information and you feel empowered to do so. So that's what I've got Jules on here today for. So I'm gonna hand it over to her. So, Jules, could you maybe start off by talking about? you know, what exactly it is naturopaths do, what your philosophies are, and where you think maybe there's been some um, miscommunication and misrepresentation in, in recent years. Oh, <laughs>
0: today's going to be fun. Oh, I'm um, looking forward I, to it. I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you for having me back on the show. I didn't know I was the, the first person to come back twice, so this is awesome.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's special. I,
0: I love what you do with your podcast, so anything that helps get word out there about how people can access resources that are right for them to help to improve their health, that's a good thing in my book. So mm. lo- I love collaborating with you over the microphone. Oh, so, thank you. so yeah, let, let's dig in. Um, wow, where do we start? There's, there's so many cans of worms that we could just rip right open, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what does a naturopath do?
1: Shall we start there? Let, I think that's a great place to start.
0: Okay, so I know there's there's a lot of different types of naturopaths out there and that's the first thing that I'm going to say mm-hmm. is I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you a bit of an overview about what naturopaths in general do, but every naturopath is different. It is an umbrella term that has been adopted for uh, people who practice a few different modalities relating to natural medicine and it's all been brought together under the banner of naturopathy, but essentially what I was trained in uh, was herbal medicine, uh, nutrition, and homeopathy. Now that's actually a little bit rare, a lot of naturopaths don't do homeopathy, uh, but most naturopaths do uh, a lot of study in herbal medicine and nutritional medicine. what we do is we bring it all together when we see clients face-to-face. We spend a lot of time with our clients, first of all, as opposed to like an eight- to ten-minute doctor's appointment, which is like the regular amount of time you would probably see a GP. We spend anywhere between 60 and 90 minutes usually for our first consult with clients, and I know I send out a massive questionnaire that they fill out before they even come and see me so that I can have a read through that and it asks a lot of questions about lots of different systems in their body. We go through the digestive system, the reproductive system, the lungs, the the brain, the mind, so many different areas of the body because naturopaths view the body as a whole, not Separate parts. So whereas you would go to say most doctors, not all, because there are some out there that are that are starting to uh, be a little bit different in their approach. But a lot of doctors, when you go and see them, they'll be like, "Okay, we have a you have a cough, you have something on the chest. We will give you this drug, you know, to get rid of Mm -hmm. that infection. Or you have um, this pain in your knee. We'll give you an anti-inflammatory for that knee. And although that will take away the symptoms, what a naturopath will do is go, okay. You've got a cough on your chest. You have a pain in your knee. You also have X, Y, and Z happening in different parts of your body. How is this all related? And what a naturopath will generally do is then start to dig for the underlying reasons for why this has come up in the first place. I never look at two separate things going on in one person's body and think that they're two separate things. I always think that they're manifestations of one underlying thing, and we keep digging and we keep digging and we keep digging until we find it. So... Where is a lot of, a lot of naturopaths will start looking at the diet, they'll look at the lifestyle, Uh, they'll look at factors like stress, they'll look at factors like the environment, they'll look at what what might be happening to uh, cause this person to have these problems in the first place. I actually also go a step further and I do a lot of um, functional testing in my practice now which I didn't do when I first came out of college but I mean I, I've been out since 2005. so. It's been, you know, it's been well over a decade, and it's only been the last few years that I've started to take on board a lot of this pathology testing. Mm. There's a lot of things that naturopaths can do now to look for all these underlying causes of illness, and so I I do send a lot of people off for blood tests, urine tests, all kinds of tests, stool tests, it, all kinds of things to find out what's going on in the body. So it has also become a bit of a one stop natural shop in a way, so people can come, they can. We can get to the, the the bottom of what's going on all in one place without having to refer back out to anyone else. Mm. So that, that give you a little bit of an
1: oh yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that you've you know you've talked about all of that because it does when you hear about it like that you just you can't possibly go oh that's that's quackery like there's it's it's evidence based. You're looking at testing. You're looking at just common sense factors like what you put in your body and what you're sleeping and what you're like stressing. And it's just, it just makes sense. And I, I love the way you break it down. Um, so that's wonderful. So do you have, um, you know, in, in a way, are you like a more natural G- GP? Like, do you see just, you could, someone could come to you for virtually anything or are there things that you find in your practice that you generally see like a lot of autoimmune, you see a lot of thyroid or is it really a wide umbrella and it just depends on the season and, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because um I would never say that a naturopath could just you know replace a GP for example because there's definitely a role for for GPs and they're wonderful people Mm. and there's lots of different types of GPs out there now as well so you can usually if you dig around enough you'll usually find one that is a good fit for you and once you find that that GP hold on to them please (laughs)
1: kids seriously so true
0: especially if you're looking for you know an enlightened one who who embraces natural therapies hold on to them with two hands uh, but yeah, look, GPs are wonderful for mm. diagnosing problems and, um, and look, they're great if, if you need antibiotics. Like mm. if you've got a urinary tract infection that's yes. going up to your kidneys, please call the GP. Don't call me. Call me once you've had the antibiotics and you need some support for gut healing and maybe some herbs and some immune boosting, uh, you know, uh, supplements to stop the infection recurring, or to find out, you know, to get to the bottom of why the infections keep happening. But if you've, you know, if you've got an acute problem, I actually want you to go to the GP first. So I, I do in, in my little utopian brain. Mm. Um, you know, the the thing that keeps me awake at night is is how can naturopaths and doctors work alongside each other for the benefit of the patient in a way where we're all using our skills but working together that that would be my perfect world Uh, but yeah I do find that that I I also get a lot of people come to me who've been to see several GPs they may have been to see some specialists they may or may not have a diagnosis a definitive diagnosis so yeah sometimes they come to me with like an autoimmune disease that they know they have so I'll get someone who lands on my doorstep who's got Hashimoto's which Mm -hmm. is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid and they'll say, yep, I've got Hashimoto's. Here's, uh, here's my GP's name and number. Here's my specialist's name and number. These are my test results from the past 12 months. And I go, rip up. Cause like, I've got all the information there. I know what we're dealing with. They're just looking for a natural approach because they've hit the wall in terms of how well they can get going down that conventional model. Great. But I also sometimes get people come to me who've got, who've been to a bunch of different Um, practitioners and for whatever reason they still don't have a diagnosis and then sometimes I'll send people away for testing and then we'll find out what's going on so uh, because I do a lot of this functional testing now like I can send people away to get their autoimmune markers checked, I can get their thyroid antibodies checked, I can get Mm Uh, So functional testing, we weren't able to do that a little while back, but we can now. So sometimes if people have been through the medical system to a point where they're exhausted with that uh, as a concept, sometimes they come to us and sometimes there are tests that haven't been run for whatever reason that we can run. There are other tests that we can now do to look at at underlying things that that, uh, aren't the first thing the medical model people would think of. So looking at gut function that's underlying as to whether that's contributing to an autoimmune picture. Uh, We can test for things like candida, we can test our liver function, we can look at hormones. So there's so much that that naturopaths can do now Mm. that's bringing in the old and the new because I was, you know, I was trained in these beautiful traditional herbs and and then we added these more modern nutritional supplements. And like I said, I've also got homeopathy under the belt. I do a lot of work with people's diets, but it's really good that we can now add in the science with the pathology Mm. to be able to make it a more complete picture.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. And I love how before you were saying, um, that, you know, you you want people to go to their GPs in certain instances because I think and that that's your ultimate goal is to work together because I do think that is so important that often um, people think they have to be in one camp or the other and that there's no – you know, shades of grey. There's no um, interconnect, and I think that that you know, there's things that as natural, natural practitioners we aren't trained in, and we don't know. But then, like you said, there's stuff that they won't think of. First of all, so it's best to have the best of both worlds. So I love that you pointed that out. Do you have like do you co-manage patients with specialists and GPs, and do you have experience and how are you treated by them, and like is has it been positive or has it been a bit of both? Like, could you talk about that, maybe?
0: Um, my experience. At- thus far, Mm -hmm. and and I I would like this to change in the future, is that the the GPs or the specialists usually say to the patient, that's fine, do what you want uh, when they say that they're going to work with their naturopaths. So, um, yes, occasionally there will be some communication between the parties, um, Mm -hmm. whether I write them a letter or they write me a letter, and we do often share test results with each other as practitioners. But generally... The, the the general kind of uh consensus I get at the moment is that, well, you know, if you want to go and see a naturopath you can but um you know I don't need to know what you're doing with them. Yeah. And, and I, I would like that to change because I, I do think that sometimes there's areas where there needs to be more discussion so mm. that we can get better results for the patient.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day that's what it- like ideally that's what we're all working towards is just to help the patient get well, regardless of who gets to take the credit or, you know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's a good vision to have. Um, do you find it hard? Cause I know that sometimes the test results that we aim for and our reference ranges are different to the reference ranges used by doctors. Like for example, um, thyroid stimulating hormone weed, Prefer it to be lower, whereas they're not going to probably worry about it as much till it's a bit higher. Um, Does does that cause a bit of a like you know um, conflict because you're like there's a problem and they're like no 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 it's fine it's fine you're like "Mm, is it though and or like you know only thyroid stimulating hormones been tested but the full thyroid panel hasn't been done what's how do you oh, feel don't, about don't that? not even start. No, me. okay. <laughs> too much. Too many worms. <laughs> Can we just start testing all the T three and the T
0: four? Come on, Australia. Um, <laughs> no, and, and you, you, Rachel would know better than most about these reference ranges because I'm sure that you've looked at liver function tests in in two different ways as well, like yes. the way that that the that the the reference ranges are set out for that are uh, quite interesting too. And and just so you know, uh in different countries you often find slight differences in reference ranges mm. as well. So sometimes when you go from, you know, from here to Europe or to America, et cetera, those reference range guidelines can actually change slightly. So yeah, it it would be nice in the future if if those sorts of things are reviewed, but I think that is a, a very um, that's a very long-range kind of way of looking at things. At the moment, just take your pathology test to your naturopath. Even I can't stress this enough. Even if you get the test back from your GP and they say, everything's normal, okay, good, mm. get a copy of those test results. Get a copy, take it to your naturopath, give them a look. Because say, and I, I don't have them in front of me, but say you had any any test and that reference range was, say, 3.2 to 7.5. And if you score 7.4, then whatever that test is, the doctor will come back and go, you're within the reference range and you're normal and everything's fine. Now a naturopath would look at that and go, you're one tick under being outside that reference range and why are you heading that way? And And we'll look at maybe whether you had the same test done 12 months ago and whether it's been climbing over time. So I don't just look at the last test that people have. Uh, I try and find the test they had before that and the one before that. Mm. And so I recently had a client who was just inside the reference range uh, for a liver marker. i could see that that liver marker had been climbing since 2015 so it was you know at one point in 2015 then it was another point 2016 then it was sitting right on the edge of the reference range in 2017 and i'm like do you want to wait till 2018 where something is officially wrong or should we start working on this now and of course the best time to work on something like that is now before it ends up worse because the, the worse it gets, the harder it is to fix with natural therapies. Like yeah. the earlier we can get someone in and start tweaking these systems in the body, the better.
1: Absolutely. And do you think sometimes that's um, maybe one of the reasons – because doctors are very much trained, or, or like specialists are trained more in that emergency medicine, where people come to them at crisis point, and really at that point there is very little that natural medicine can do. And do you reckon that could be where maybe some of the whole oh natural therapies don't really work; they're very much placebo. Do you reckon that could be it? Because it, we work more on a preventative level. Like we like, there are some more um, acute things that can be treated, but do you know what I mean? Like, do you think that could be a, a factor?
0: I think I I need to preface my answer by saying I also think that our medical system is completely under the pump and doctors are very, very busy and they only have eight to 10 minutes to, Mm. to sort you out. And so if you're, if you don't have a test result, that's, that's really screaming out to be fixed. Like they, They're not going to have time to deal with everyone who's sitting just inside the reference range. Yeah, ranges. that's really true. So, so from a naturopathic point of view, we would call that subclinical. So it's not clinical yet because clinical is when you're outside that range. But mm. subclinical is in an area where we can still do things to help. Like, So say if, you're, if your iron levels are starting to drop a little bit but it's not outside the reference range, we can still look at whether we need to increase iron via the diet. We may look at whether uh, there's something going on in the digestive system that's stopping you from absorbing the iron from the food that you eat. We might look at why that iron's dropping. Perhaps you're doing more exercise suddenly. Perhaps you've up a new sport or started doing gym three or four days a week and suddenly as a female your iron levels drop or maybe something's happening with your monthly cycle and you're bleeding more than you used to be and suddenly your iron levels are starting to drop and so a naturopath can catch that while it's falling and start to do other things so it's not just about Throwing iron supplements down a person's no, yeah. throat, and and so once it drops outside that reference range, yeah, then we start to throw iron supplements down a person's throat. But before mm-hmm. that, if we can catch it in that decline, we we can look at why those levels are dropping. And that's just one example. There's so many more, but iron's a really good one because I I know that um, as a lot of your listeners would you know would be going through these sorts of things, and yeah. iron, iron is one of the very first things that that can happen to a female, you know, in terms of those sorts of tests that you get done. So having an iron test done as, as a teenage girl is actually very common, and honestly, if you are tired and you're feeling a bit a bit under the weather, it is something that you should be requesting from your GP. But again, when you get those test results, have a look, and have a look at those reference ranges. And if you're only just inside those reference ranges, I would be taking that test result down to a naturopath and go, Would you be able to have a look at my diet? Can you have a look at my lifestyle? Can we stop this from going any further before I have to take the supplements?
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful message and a great segue into my next question, which is – love it. Um, How do you feel about supplements and how do you use them? Because I know that – my, my first experience when I went to a naturopath was she was heavily into supplements and she wanted me to walk out of there with hundreds of dollars worth of them and I was like overwhelmed and I was like, can't I just do it a diet? And she's like, no, you won't get enough from your diet. And I was like, really? And all of that. So how do you use them? Because I know that, that well for me that was what it put me off going back to see another naturopath for years because I was like, no, nah, she's just going to get me onto all these powders and I don't want to do that I, and, you know, all of that. So yeah where do you stand with them?
0: It's interesting that uh, as I've I've progressed throughout the last decade into a different style of business that I have now and a different style of patient that I see, that answer has definitely changed. If you'd asked me 10 years ago when I was working in the little dispensary at, at good old Macro Whole Foods down in Black Rock in Melbourne, then my answer then would have been much different to my answer now. Mm. And the reason is that the people that I saw then as a naturopath working in a retail setting in a dispensary, they're different to the people that I see now. So we used to get people in off the street and they might come to the counter and they'd say, oh, my God, I've got PMS. It's like raging and it's like, you know, once – once a month I want to kill my boyfriend for a <laughs> day and I cry and everything's crap and and you go, okay, cool. Well, how about we try some B6 and some lovely hormonal balancing herbs to help you? And they go, awesome, and they go away and they take their B6 and they take their lovely hormonal balancing herbs. So that's two things that they're taking. And they come back and they say, oh, yeah, look, my my – PMS is better, but I've also got some cramps. And so we would add some, maybe some magnesium for their cramps and we might give them a big complex, you know, ongoing for energy. But then that's it. That might be it. So that, that, was, that was the sort of scenario that we would see back then. But, see, I don't see those people in clinic now because I, and, and I'm not really sure. I don't really know when the tipping point happened in my own clinic Um, But I I do know it has a lot to do with the fact that I I write about certain topics on my blog Mm. and I speak about certain topics not only on my own podcast but on other people's podcasts. And one of those topics, for example, would be um, pyrol disorder. Mm,
1: Yeah, I know you know a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Another one would be adrenal fatigue. Um, I'm also starting to get a lot of uh, patients who also have something called MTHFR. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to get some kind of more interesting ones and the people who come to see me have been very sick for a very long time and they are the ones who've been through five or six doctors no one can tell them what's wrong everyone says it's in their head they're really sick some of them can hardly get out of bed and then they come and see me and they're the people that end up on 10 supplements and i feel awful about it sometimes because yeah it it drives the price up of, of wellness in general and Mm. I would love I'd love for these people to be able to just do a couple of dietary tweaks and get on with life but unfortunately if they've been sick for 10 or 15 years with this thing and that 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 particular illness has been allowed to keep progressing they've got systemic inflammation they might have an autoimmune disease Mm. sometimes those people are going to need a few extra things, not just like his, his one bottle of herbs and a B vitamin. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it has definitely – my outlook on how many supplements a person should be taking has definitely changed over the years because I used to be like, yeah, look, they shouldn't be taking more than three or four things maximum and we should just do everything else via the diet, but now I sit here and I'll be – while I'm seeing a client, I'll actually be making a list of all the things that I would like them to be taking and then I have to cull that list because it's li- it's literally sitting at like 15 things and I'm like, I've got to get this down mm. and you've got to get it down otherwise they, they actually won't take everything. Yeah. And look, and some of those people now, what we what we resort to or what, what we've, um, maybe I should say what we've upgraded to is working with compounding pharmacists so they put together one specific formula for that person. So rather than having your your bottle of zinc and your bottle of B6 and your bottle of this and your bottle of that and your bottle of magnesium over there and your bottle of molybdenum and all these other things, now I can actually just write a prescription and send it off to the compounding pharmacist, and they put it all into one formula. So that's that's one option as well.
1: Yeah, beautiful. And could you just maybe talk about uh, like when you talk about supplements, you're talking about like practitioner only, much more. Um, you're not exactly talking about the ones that you'd get off the shelf at your discount chemist.
0: Uh, yeah, don't start me on discount chemists. No, no, mm. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you be dangling that in front of me. That's not, that's mean. That's like a red rag to a bull. Um, (laughs) No, uh, look, although there are some supplements at those sorts of places that are good, Mm-hmm. they're hard to find in amongst all the crap.
1: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> because I know that, um, oh, what was it, was it, Cat- the Four Corners did an episode a few months ago on supplements and they virtually said that, you know, you're making expensive urine and there's not testing around them. And, you know, I remember at college everyone was up in arms going, oh, they, you know, totally discredited our industry. And I sort of thought, yeah, but if you actually watched what, like the brands they were talking about and everything they were saying, I kind of as much as I'm not against supplements all the time, I agreed with what they were saying because they were talking about the vitamin Kings and all of that. And I was like, yeah. And and, you know, the fact that people just, they don't see anyone. They just go, Oh, I've heard this is good for that. I may as well take that. I Googled this And, and they don't know what form to take it in. They don't know if it's in a complex where there's interacting nutrients, um, yeah. And I think that can be very confusing for people because then they're like, well, so-and-so said supplements are really good, but then so-and-so said, I'm just, you know, it's I'm peeing and pooping them out. So, you know, what do I trust? And, you know, people become very vulnerable to it
0: yeah look I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, I used to work for vitamin supplement companies, and one of my jobs at said companies was formulating products. so I used to do a lot of the research and development and I learned about which forms of, of ingredients you can put into supplements now there's and as you would know Rachel there's mm-hmm. different types of supplements like yeah. of, of, of individual supplements so if you're looking at calcium, there's what like five different types of calcium that you would commonly find on the market, maybe mm. six. If you're looking for iron, there's I can think of four straight up that are different types of iron that you would take. But I could only think of one or two that I would recommend. Um, zinc is another one. Yeah. So, so just 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 so that you know what you're looking for if you're if you're looking at um, labels, dear listeners. Um, <laughs> so you know when it, you turn it over and it says contains. 20 milligrams of zinc, that will actually be either a zinc citrate or a zinc picolinate or a zinc oxide or what's the other one?
1: Come um, on. Oh, <laughs> no, you're, you're the next breath. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, yeah. Um,
0: There's another one as well, zinc. Oh, plus, right. Anyway. Um, and then if you look at iron there's ferrous fumarate there's iron amino acid chelate there's iron there's all all different types so calcium um, calcium phosphate calcium citrate calcium amino um, hydroxyapatite so like that they're just a few examples and so each one of those is a different type of calcium or a different type of zinc or a different type of iron now some of them are really poorly absorbed by the gut. So you put in 100 milligrams, you might get two. And if you put in 100 milligrams for different type of nutrient, you might get 27. So which one is the one that you should be spending your money on? But I guarantee you if there's a TV show out there or some sort of expose going on about the natural health industry and they're looking to disprove mm. this, this idea that vitamins work, they will pick the one off the shelf that doesn't work and that'll be the one they test. So they'll go, let's give that person the really poorly absorbed form of iron and let's see if their levels go up. Oh, look, their levels don't go up. Oh, iron doesn't work. No, it's not that that particular particular, um, nutrient doesn't work. It just doesn't work in that form if you give it to that person in that form. So you need to find the better supplements. This is why the the naturopaths always go back to the practitioner-only supplements because Mm. Most of those, not all, but most of those have got better forms of nutrients that are better absorbed. So then it's not what, what my lecturer used to love to refer to as money down the dunny.
1: Yeah, that is, yeah, that's gold. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Thank you for clarifying that because I do think that is, you know, that is a huge topic and there's it's like an, a debate that's been going on for ages and there's everyone's in a different camp and it's good to have just some basic clarification around that. Um. yeah. And so from, from there as a naturopath, what do you get some people that have come to you and maybe they, like you said, they've had maybe a bit of a break between going to all these different doctors and coming to you. And they've sort of gone, oh, I'm just going to do it myself. And they've hopped on Google and They've tried to solve their problems. Maybe they've read a blog. Maybe they've listened to some podcasts and they go, okay, I know what I'm going to do. How how do you feel about this, the rise of the internet and social media and people becoming their own health advocates? Um, Because I I think there's positives and negatives there. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I wouldn't have half the knowledge I have without all this stuff, but um, where do you, where would you recommend someone is probably okay to keep just doing it by themselves? And where would you go, Okay, cool. But you really should see a holistic nutritionist or a naturopath or an integrative GP because you could do yourself some damage, just simply because you don't have all the facts. Um, yeah, would you like to talk about that?
0: And you know, it's funny that that because we have blogs and podcasts, we're
1: actually part of this whole. I know. That's what I'm like. It can be really positive, guys. Well, I guess I sort of think of the person that isn't that sick, but that just is maybe you know, like they're not following the healthiest lifestyle but they're not sick yet and so by reading our blogs and our listening to our podcasts, like they can just change little things in their lifestyle which is going to supercharge their health versus the someone who's chronically ill coming to this sort of thing, you know, there's the difference there.
0: Yeah, and and look, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. Like we've got so much information at our fingertips mm. but unfortunately not all the information out there is solid and – it sometimes takes an expert eye to look over all the information and pick out what is truth and what is just someone trying to sell you a green powder. Mm. And um, there's a there's a lot of the first thing I will say to, to anyone who's trolling the internet for answers is if the article is then trying to sell you a product at the end of the page, then. Just be extra careful because mm. some sometimes people will create a problem in order to sell you a solution, uh, and sometimes the solution's not that good a product. So mm. that, that's the first thing. Um, it's just there, are, but there's also some really beautiful people out there, um, you know, like your Cindy O'Meara's and your Dr. Libby's and all those sorts of people who are highly qualified professionals who do put a lot of information out there on the internet for everyone to read and they do sell products but those products are actually stand up amazing products so Mm. look there's all there's all colors of the spectrum in there and I do overall I do think it's a wonderful thing because I think the internet is one of the reasons that more people are coming to see naturopaths in the first place because it's normalized it and it's made that information available and look As as much as people like Pete Evans get bashed.
1: Oh, um, I love Pete Evans. so
0: full on. Like without people like Pete, that whole healthy eating movement, even if he is a little bit hard line in terms of the way he delivers information and, and how strict he wants you to be with your diet, like without people like Pete, like no one would know what Whole Foods are and, and paleo and healthy eating and like, yeah. the, you need you need those people right on the front line to pave the way for everyone else. And it's the internet that's allowed all that to happen because you can't and, and I don't want to start sounding like uh, one of those people, but you can't rely on mainstream media to deliver you everything oh, you need no, to know for absolutely. your situation. And yeah. and so you, you need you need to have a healthy amount of questioning in your life to find out your own truth. And and you know you're there might be people out there who go down the natural therapies path and it doesn't work for them. And then they can use the internet to go and find the right doctor to go to with the right drug that that isn't readily available. So or, or to find you know the right procedure that they want to have done. So it works on both sides of that fence as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that that. The, the only problem that I have with it is that, that I think a lot of people hop online and self-diagnose, and mm. I, I think that the diagnosis part is really dangerous because, look, even if I'm ill, I go to see someone else because, oh, my God, if I sit here and try and diagnose my own problems – I just end up sitting here till 3 in the morning trawling the internet thinking that I've got a million things wrong with me. Like there's nothing like the internet for turning you into like the world's biggest hypochondriac if you sit there long enough.
1: absolutely. I've got um, like my list of goals for 2017 and one of them is break up with Google when it makes me anxious because I I do it, yeah, or you're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot that that nutrient interacts with that nutrient and I'm becoming deficient in this because I'm having this and this in the same meal and, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? And I've got little white spots on my neck and like well, you, no, no, it's definitely lupus i've definitely got lupus oh exa- yeah i know and i think <laughs> it, like but i think it's good that we said like you know i've almost finished my degree you've been out for over a decade and we still know that that's because we're human and that's just i think the nature of things change. it doesn't it doesn't it no matter doesn't how much change. and sometimes i think the more information you have and the more you understand the physiology of the body the worse it is because the more things you think it could be um, but then
0: on but then on the flip side of that, I was actually living with pyrol disorder for a really long time and I put off getting tested, even though I was aware of what it was and I knew that I ticked all the boxes, I actually <laughs> put off getting a pyrol test because I thought that I was like reading too much into it. I was like, oh no, it's just one of those things where I think I've got everything but it's actually like I'm just doing my own head in so I won't think about it. And then I started getting client after client after client who had pyrol disorder And I was like, what's the universe trying to tell me? Why are all these people landing on my doorstep with pyrrole disorder? And I was like, damn it, I think I need to go and get a test. And my (laughs) test result was off the chart, like way off the chart. And I was like, oh, my God, how could I not have known about this? And it was like, well, I actually just thought that I was – being a hypochondriac (laughs) so it can can work both ways there as well that's the other thing I will that I will Mm -hmm. say that that pay attention to what's going on around you in life like if you know at the time that I went and got tested for pyrrole disorder my two closest friends had just been diagnosed with it and so I I do think that that without getting too woo-woo I think Mm. the universe shows you what you need to learn and then if you don't listen, it shows you again and again and again. So mm. if if you start seeing recurrent themes going on around you, whether it's people who are healing their gut or people who are, you know, needing to detox or people who need to get their hormones in check, just pay attention to that because sometimes it can be just a little subtle shove from the universe in the right direction for you as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I don't think that's woo at all. I think that's that's spot on because that and I, I think if anyone thinks about it they could go they could think back to a time even if it's not health related where you know they've just they've three things have happened really close together that have prompted something and they're like you know i think it's just yeah it's something that can't be scientifically measured but i think we all understand that feeling and that sort of circumstance so beautiful um so another question um and i think this is it's probably similar but just a little bit different. Um, we're living in an age now, again, because of the internet and stuff, where there's um, people like health coaches. And I do know that health coaches do actually do um, some sort of study. Like I think it's online for several months, up to a year, maybe a bit longer, um, depending on what course they do. Or um, And there's also people that haven't necessarily got a, any sort of health degree, but they've um, gone through a lot of stuff with their own families. And now they offer consultations with people, um, usually on Skype, but sometimes Facebook face-to-face. How do you feel about that being someone that, you know, did a full-on health science degree, had to do clinical placement, you know, it's been in the industry for so long. How do you feel about that versus, you know, a mum with a lot of experience that's charging, you know, maybe, you know, a hundred or so dollars per consult, similar to what you'd charge. Um, How do you feel about that? And do you feel like that's, um, no, yeah. How do you feel like that impacts on people's view of natural health in general and naturopaths and stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Oh <laughs> <laughs> I really know how to ask oh, the questions that's... don't I <laughs>
0: I think I'll get my um, I might get my virtual assistant to screen my emails for the next week after this goes to air so that I don't have to deal with the <laughs> with the fallout
1: no uh, I'll take half the blame I promise
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so first of all number one is... I would never, ever, ever go to a health coach to have something diagnosed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ever. Yep. End of. Right. Beautiful. No yep. exceptions that I can. No. No. No exceptions. No. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, look. Okay. So let, let's let's talk about the positives of health coaches because there are there are many.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, they're bringing awareness mm. to healthy eating. Look, look at what look at what Jess Ainsco did for the world.
1: Oh, I love – this podcast is dedicated to her. Yeah. So, she, yeah. She
0: she was amazing, and she was a health coach, but at no point in time did she ever pretend to be more than a health coach. At no point in time did she ever go, and that I know of, go and diagnose, like, herbs or supplements in, in those therapeutic um, forms. So she wasn't ever pretending to be a naturopath, but she was extremely good at – Gathering up a tribe full of people who needed a tribe of people in order to get better. Mm-hmm. Like people, a lot of people need a tribe of like-minded people around them in order to be able to find the courage and the, you know, the information, the motivation to be able to make these changes. Like if you're from a normal white bread, wheat, bix, and you know, skim milk family, uh, and there's no one around you in your circles who is different to that. Then when you want to give up the wheat and the dairy, you need someone you can turn to. And so these health coaches are brilliant at creating tribes mm. and creating movements towards better eating. Um, and yeah, I know there's a lot of hashtags, like you know, clean eating and all that sort of stuff mm. that get picked on. But geez, I'd rather I'd rather be living in a world where clean eating hashtag gets picked on for being overused and have whole. Bloody, I've seen whole documentaries on TV like uh, you know uh, that are dedicated to whether or not cl- the whole clean eating movement is um is over you know overdone and I'm like this is great because someone's making a smoothie on primetime TV so yeah. please get on there and question it so like the the more exposure that that this whole you know for want of a better word this whole clean eating movement
1: can get the better yeah absolutely and I completely agree with you there and that's you're right that's where they that's where their role is better and I think too because they're much more I suppose in the health promotion field like they're not um you know working in practice all the time or this and that like that is their number one job is just to raise awareness and I think when they when they do that they they reign supreme almost like they're just so Like Jess was so inspiring and she was one of the first people I started following. And in a time, like you said in the time where everyone else around me was not doing that, I could go onto her blog and read her little, you know, and have her book and be like, I'm not a freak. I'm, you know, I'm doing the right thing for myself. So yeah, I wasn't, sorry, I wasn't asking that question to pick on those people. I just, I know that there is two sides. There's this beautiful health promotion side that is changing the world, but there's also that danger zone, like you said.
0: All right, so let's talk about the dark side okay.
1: because,
0: you know, because look, they are—they're brilliant at all that stuff. They're brilliant at motivation. They're brilliant at spending time with people, making up food plans, at checking in, holding people accountable, mm. creating accountability settings where people have to check in and and say whether they've been sticking to their their or not they're great at forming groups like I said but okay let's talk about the dark side so the the dark side is when I think there's a a line in the sand that gets crossed Mm -hmm. and I'd mentioned diagnosis as being one of those lines in the sand I, I, and like I said, if, if the client comes to you and they already have the diagnosis, then you've got a bit more freedom there. But if they come to you and they don't know what's wrong, then I think they should be going to someone who can diagnose that problem, whether it's a doctor or a naturopath or, or someone a third, you know, someone else, but that person needs to be highly qualified. They, they need to have studied biochemistry. They mm. need to have studied physiology. They need to have studied anatomy, pathology, uh, pharmacology is a huge one. Like I can't even tell you how many times I've been online and I've seen health coaches recommending um, specific foods or specific uh, plans that interact with drugs. Mm. Okay, so sometimes that you know, if you get people coming to you who've got autoimmune diseases or, or you know, pretty heavy pathologies going on, then sometimes they're on some pretty heavy drugs and sometimes those drugs interact with not just supplements, not just herbs, but even some foods. Mm. So I think you, you, need a, you need a trained professional who's done all that study. Like, you know, there, there's, there's even people, I know we, we might not have time to go into this, but there's even people out there calling themselves naturopaths who aren't.
1: Yeah, and the same with nutritionists um, yeah. and it really bugs me.
0: the other the other thing about health coaches that concerns me in terms of dishing out medical knowledge or knowledge that's right on that borderline where that line in the sand is is that as a naturopath uh, the association that i'm a member of requires me to do like several hours of ongoing education every year and i'm talking like there's there's the massive form that you fill out it's a couple of like you, you, there's many hours. Like I think last year I clocked up like 30 or 40 hours of ongoing education that I did, whether it's seminars or webinars or mentoring with, a, with another um, practitioner, whatever it is. You, you need to log all of those. You need to prove that you've done them and you need to submit it in order to keep your registration with that, with that particular body. And so with health coaches, they're not held accountable after they've come out of their health coaching college, whoever they did it with, that's it. They're a health coach and they can be a health coach forever. But there's no one holding them accountable for keeping their education up and making sure that their knowledge changes when new information comes out as well.
1: Mm, That's a really good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, look, I, I actually have a couple of health coaches that I refer clients to. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple of health coaches who refer clients to me. So again, in my little utopian, what keeps me up at night, you know, (laughs) my perfect world would be a world where there's room for both health coaches and naturopaths and doctors. And they all know their role. And they all refer on, they refer their patient on where it starts to become an area outside that role. And then you're living in a place of abundance Mm -hmm. where you give clients to other people and they give clients to you and I think that would be a really nice way for everything to operate but you know that that's just me uh, yeah wishing wishing that the world was perfect
1: yeah I know but I think it's a good thing to strive through and I think like every, every now and then, um, you know, I guess it depends where you're looking. Like sometimes, you know, you're in this world and you hear about all this, these great changes that people are making and more and more people are starting to think differently. And you're like, it's going that way. And then you read the paper or watch the TV and you're like, people have no idea. Like it depends where you're looking. But, um, I, I do think that more people and especially more practitioners that maybe were against this stuff or just didn't look at it, you know, several years ago are starting to realize, um, to finish up, up if there was a a doctor or a nurse or some a specialist listening um that you know maybe before listening to this hadn't um maybe a parent of one of the teenagers or something and they've had really um you know negative views of natural medicine uh, maybe because of bad experiences or whatever or even teenagers themselves um what would be your message if you could just have a parting message to them about your profession and what you stand for
0: well, I think if if you're going to still believe that natural medicine doesn't work and that there's no place for it, I think you have two choices. You can either start opening your mind now and embracing it, or you can just wait a few years because there will be evidence that comes out. There There are studies being done. It takes a lot of time for these studies to come out but they are happening and so if you know if you don't want to believe it fine but in five to ten years time you might be forced to sing a different tune because that evidence is going to be mounting up and there's going to be too much of it to actually deny or you could embrace it now and start working with people in these professions now for the benefit of the patient and I think that would be a really beautiful thing.
1: Beautiful, that's lovely. Thank you, Jules. Is there anything else you'd like to say, or shall we leave it there? Because I think we've we've covered a lot of ground today, and it's we've taken a lot of different avenues, and I think it's been really great.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we're good. But I will say thank you so much for the work that you do, because there's not that many people out there that want to embrace this stuff at that age. And I I feel like you're a trailblazer too, hun. So you oh, go thanks. get them.
1: Thank you. That's so nice. Um, do you mind staying on? I'll say a proper goodbye to you like last time and I'll just wrap up the episode. Of course. Beautiful. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening in. And I really hope this uh, that this episode has opened up your mind, maybe changed a few perceptions you've had, answered a few questions. Um, I'd love feedback from you. If you have any other questions or comments or feedback, you can let me know via the Facebook page or the facebook.com forward slash Real Soup for the Real Soul, um, which is the Facebook page for both my blog and this podcast. And I look forward to bringing you another podcast in a fortnight's time. Thanks again for listening. Take care. This has been a production of The Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch. Streaming wellness into your lives